Welcome to the Food Intelligence Podcast presented by TasteWise. My name is Ron. Joining me as always is Miriam. And today we have something special for you. Miriam? The Battle of the Plates, Takeout versus Pantry Edition. Okay, so Battle of the Plates. Walk us through it. What are we going to be talking about? So we have a fun kind of competition style episode up on the plate today. If you'll excuse the wordplay, <laughs> fun. There's probably going to be a lot of that today. Um, so we got some feedback from listeners um, after our trend versus uh, fad episode, um, and as well as just some general questions about home cooking versus food service. Um, so we wanted to do a little bit of a dive into how can you tell what is a, what is a trend where, right? If you know that something is trending in the market, how do you know where to invest in? Is it food service? Is it home cooking? Um, so we put together a few kind of head-to-head brackets uh, to see kind of from top motivations today, what's worth investing in and in which space. Okay, so essentially we're looking at what are people making at home versus um, what they're getting on takeout or on uh, delivery menus? Kind of. As you'll see, it's a little bit more complicated than that, which I think brings all the the good stuff. So um, you'll see as we kind of get into it. All right, awesome. Can't wait to get started. So what's our first one? All right. So um, I broke it into five motivations. So for those of you who are maybe new to the podcast, when we say motivations, we mean consumer needs. So the big why behind um, consumer behavior. So why are people eating and drinking what they're eating and drinking? So I took a look at five of some of the top motivations in the market right now, and I'll break them down for us right now. And then we'll do that kind of head to head between pantry and takeout. And then talk a little bit about um, why it matters. Uh, So first up, we have easy. Second, we have convenience, which those might sound similar, but we'll talk about the difference. We have gourmet, we have healthy, and we have nostalgic. So those are the categories that we're going to be comparing pantry versus takeout within. Okay. So uh, when you say, uh, so for example, like you said, easy and convenient. So easy being kind of the reason people turn to something specific, like this is an easy to make meal or, um, or exactly. Like that. Yeah. Right. Or even um, if you think about it in the food service space, right, it's it's easy to, to pop out to curbside, let's say, and, and get something. Or it's easy to, um, you know, bring this sandwich to the picnic I'm going to. Or um, in the, as you said, in the home cooking context, it's easy to to make this recipe. Um, whereas convenience is a little bit more on the kind of fitting it into your schedule type of thing, right? It's convenient for me to grab this granola bar. It's convenient for me to uh, order delivery, right? So it's a little bit more about the the timing, whereas easy is a little bit more about the effort, I would say. What uh, data points are you looking at to, to compare these? Is this all based on social media or are you looking at social media, recipes, menus? Yeah, great question. So today I looked at social media because I wanted to understand uh, consumer relationships to each of these concepts in the spaces of the you know the kitchen or takeout. Um, but you could easily kind of do this by, by a comparison of um, let's say maybe prevalence on recipes versus prevalence on delivery menus. But those are more uh, kind of you know the brands and the restaurants behind those presenting them to the consumer. And I wanted to look really at what the consumers are engaging with in that way. Um, so yeah, so we're looking at social media today. What we learn from a lot of our customers and the type of research that uh, that they do, and this applies to both people who are actual like analysts and uh, and do research, you know, in their day to day in their job, uh, much like you, Miriam, um, but also people who are more on um, the higher level marketing side, uh, that uh, or even a new product development um, uh, product managers. 
um, that uh, it's really important to adjust the type of research that you're doing to the data points that um, that you're looking for. Because what we see is that there's a lot of ways out there where you can use one data point. So for example, let's say retail data uh, to try and reflect what consumers are actually doing and what people are making at home. And or so I think two good examples are retail and uh, and menus, right? So just knowing, for example, what's on a menu uh, versus what's um, you know what was bought off of a retail shelf, uh, that really doesn't tell you a whole much by itself. So in retail, for example, we know that seventy um, percent of items that are purchased on retail are made uh, in combination with something else. So just the fact that someone bought one thing doesn't really tell you what the um, uh, consumer actually ate, right? Uh, and if something just appears on a menu, that by itself also doesn't really tell you uh, the frequency in which people are ordering that and frequency uh, in which people are, are eating that. So we find that you really have to look at a few data sources in order to... Um, kind of have a pattern emerge and have really a holistic view of what uh, of who is the consumer um, and how do consumers actually behave. Something that really reflects us, right? I think about myself and what I post on social media versus the recipes that I interact with. You know, I, I interact almost exclusively with recipes for things that I can make um, for my girls. Just the other day, I was looking for a recipe to make... Um, it was like one of those moments where your mind just goes completely blank. And I was <laughs> looking for a recipe for like dinosaur shaped, um, um, like, um, you know, like chick uh, chicken breasts. And mm, um, that's awesome. yeah. And I was like, that, that is just like, why would that be a different recipe? <laughs> <laughs> just from <laughs> like why why is the fact that it's a dinosaur shape like after I was looking for it? <laughs> oh my that, god! So that doesn't have anything to do with anything. But uh, what I'm saying is that I'm I'm looking at my own like recipe interaction and what I post on on social media and those two things. Yeah, they will reflect my habits and the things that I'm uh, that I'm interested in. So all this to just to say that um, the multiple data points are really important. I do want to say to add to that quickly that um, to your point about kind of retail data not capturing um, the frequency or even the preparation of things that are being purchased, or even in the example that you gave about the the dinosaur uh, chicken breasts, right? Um, it also doesn't it doesn't surface, and this might um, be a little bit obvious if you've been with us for a while, but it's important to say again, um, it doesn't surface the why or the motivations, right? So you you you're looking for dinosaur chicken breasts, the why is the really important thing there, right? You're looking for something easy and exciting and fun and creative for your kids, right? And that's something that retail data or just, you know, or, um, just uh, recipe analytics will um, will show you, right? So we're, we're getting a little bit deeper here. And that's actually a perfect segue uh, to what we're looking at today. Later, I'll even tell you what I ended up doing. Oh, <laughs> stay tuned. Can't yeah. wait. Cliffhangers. <laughs> Yeah. Cliffhangers. Squid um, Game doesn't okay. have anything on this. <laughs> Except just like less murder, you know? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. just a little. All right. So let's take a look at our first category. Um, so we're going to like, we're going to look at easy. 
Um, and just for a little bit of background on how, how our AI technology works and how we source these. So when we say easy, this isn't necessarily, although it does include this, consumers saying, you know, the word easy uh, in, in a post, right? So our AI has this really great, it's called natural language processing capability of being able to identify all of the related concepts underneath uh, an umbrella term and then uh, kind of quickly and easily grouping those together to make things easier for for the researchers. Um, so that would be me in this case. So when we're looking at easy, um, and this is a little bit different than convenience, but there is some overlap there. Um, it would be looking at uh, you know words like easy or words like um, wow, it really was a breeze to create this dinosaur, chicken, whatever, right? Um, so able to kind of capture the actual way uh, and the semantics that consumers actually speak in, um, which gives you a lot greater access to these concepts than generic AI does. Um, so if we're looking at easy, broadly, uh, interest in easy food and beverage is up 35% over the last two years. And the reason I selected the last two years is because um, I wanted to kind of capture pre-COVID to where we are now. Um, I think that's a much more reflective indicator of kind of what's going on in consumer consciousness. If we looked back a year ago, let's say it's October, so it would be a couple months into the pandemic, but things were pretty, you know, shifting even month to month um, a, a year ago. So when we look at two year over year data, we're getting a sense of, um, I think, a little bit longer term view um, and able to really see what's trending versus what was just kind of flashed in the pan in the moment. <clears throat> So we can see that uh, interest in easy is up 35% uh, versus where it was two years ago. Now, for the head-to-head -head piece, Ron, I know you've been waiting for it. So if we compare pantry to takeout, um, so again, uh, consumer conversations and discussions of creating meals from their pantry items. And again, it's not just the word pantry. There are associated synonyms there. And if you're interested in learning more about that, shoot us a note. Um, you know, this will be our episode plug for TasteRise li or for uh, live at TasteRise.io. Um, that's a great email address for you to send any questions that you have in. This is how we get inspiration for a lot of our episodes. Um, so if we look at pantry versus takeout, and takeout is, um, you know, food that's explicitly delivered uh, in consumer conversations or picked up, right? Um, we can see that pantry is actually down 15% year over year. Um, and again, that's just for the past year, not for two years, because now we're looking a little bit more into the nitty gritty. So interest in easy for pantry applications is actually down 15% year over year, but takeout up 41% year over year. So if we're just looking at trending interest. We can see that takeout wins for the category for easy. However, and this is the twist I mentioned before, when we look at the benchmark, and we'll talk about what that means, um, we can see that pantry um, is 4.3 times the benchmark. So that means that interest in easy food and beverage in pantry applications is 4.3 times higher than uh, interest in easy just for general food and beverage. So if you look at the average of all motivations, all occasions, all whatever for food and beverage, um, you can see that interest in using pantry items for easy applications is up around, let's say it's four times higher, whereas takeout is only 2.7. So if you look at the actual like interest metrics there, we can actually see that people are more likely to turn to their pantry than takeout, but that interest in takeout is actually growing faster. So you can decide which of those is more reflective for your use case. And the reason all of this nerdy data language matters is because you wanna be able to make these decisions. Um, let's say that you're really interested in creating an easy product, right? You wanna understand, um, is it a, something that I want to be marketing to food service? Is this something that's kind of exclusively or at least predominantly of interest in a takeout space or in a restaurant space? Or is it something that I really want to put all my eggs in the basket of content marketing, recipe development, um, partnerships, influencers, whatever? 
um, and being able to understand not only the consumer interest growth over the past year or two years, whatever your interest is, um, but also kind of the underlying a little bit more static consumer association with that consumer motivation that you're talking about. Both of those things really matter. Um, so the the essence of this first category for easy is that pantry wins in terms of like uh, association that people are more likely to turn to their pantries when wanting to make something easy. But right now, interest is actually growing over the past year significantly more for takeout. So you just have to think a little bit more about your internal goals and what you're trying to achieve with your product and then use uh, kind of those descriptive statistics accordingly. Specifically in the, con- what do you see as, as easy specifically in the context of takeout? So I get it in pantry. Uh, like it's easy to make, easy to grab, right? What does that mean for takeout? Um, so what I'm seeing, and we can, I'll pull up some examples while we're talking about this. Um, some Examples would be, like I mentioned before, that it's really easy to pop down to my local diner and grab takeout, right? Um, so that it, it's, uh, you know, something that doesn't require a lot of effort on my part. Or, you know, it's easy to um, order this, I don't know, what would be an example of a great picnic food? We just looked at picnics. I should remember some of this. But, um, you know, this is a really easy, not messy sandwich that I'm going to order from my local place and take with me to a picnic, something like that. So it's a little bit more of like an amorphous concept than yeah. it is for takeout but i do think it is it is interesting and we'll, we'll actually talk about convenience next which i think will add like a good bookmark for that um or benchmark what's the word bookend um <laughs> to uh, that conversation but i'll look up some some examples as we talk here and i'll bring them back um as we go all right so that's uh round one uh as i see it pantry pantry wins uh pantry wins for general association, but in terms of trending right now, takeout wins. Okay, so um, round one, we spoke about um, the motivation of uh, easy as kind of both uh, a driver to either things that you keep in your pantry, so things that you make at home, uh, or things that you take on takeout. Um, So I see it as both a driver, but also as like the benefit uh, of something specific. So both the the motivation and the the benefit. Um, Who is going up against who next? All right. So, yeah. So next we have convenience. Um, So again, we're looking at pantry pantry versus takeout. Um, So just to kind of reiterate here. So convenience is more about kind of time sensitive, right? You're uh, that example of grabbing a granola bar for those of you who are back to work or working in kind of hybrid models, um, having something convenient for breakfast on your on the go, right? And on the go is another one of those terms that's connected to convenience. Um, or let's use your example, Ron, of cooking for kids, right? You have multiple kids at home, you're cooking dinner, you want something that is um, not only easy to make, but is also convenient for your schedule. Um, so let's say, you know, using stuff you already have on hand or, um, you know, using, not requiring that one tricky ingredient that you'd have to go out to the store and get, right? Um, so that would be, that would be example. And then takeout convenience also makes sense, right? It's the similar concepts just in the food service space. So it's convenient to um, order delivery takeout similar to, to easy um, in that way. But uh, I think the, the comparison to the pantry aspect here makes it a little different. So if we look at pantry, we can see that interest in convenience within pantry applications is only up around 7% year over year. But interest and convenience for takeout applications, 53% year over year. So if we look at just trending consumer interest, takeout takes the cake for sure here. 
Um, but if we look at associations, again, we're seeing that same kind of split like we saw in Easy, that pantry is almost six times more associated with convenience than general food and beverage, whereas takeout is only about three times more associated. Can you explain association in this context real quick? Sure, sure, yeah. So convenience, um, which is this motivation that is up 34% year over year, so we know it's or over two years, excuse me, so we know it's relevant for everybody. We want to understand um, when it comes to pantry context and takeout context, how often or what is the, the rate at which um, people are associating convenience in those spaces? Because you could look at this and say, okay, uh, you know, convenience is growing, great, but you don't actually know if it's relevant for the categories that you're exploring, right? So you could have looked at convenience and say, oh, it's growing 34% year over year, so I'm really going to invest in um, convenience at my you know, Michelin star restaurant, because we see that convenience, obviously this is not a good example, but we see that convenience is growing year over year. So it must be relevant for that. Right. But if you actually looked at, you know, convenience vis-a-vis gourmet, you might see that it's actually not that well associated with that concept and therefore it's not worth your time. So benchmark is a language that we use for understanding what is the rate of association between these concepts, um, when compared to average food and beverage. So we can see that, like I said, pantry is almost six times more associated with convenience or sorry, the other way around. Convenience is almost six times more associated with pantry applications than general food and beverage applications, um, whereas takeout is three. So we can see that convenience is really relevant for both. It's more relevant for both than average food and beverage. But if we compare pantry to takeout, we can see that pantry um, almost double uh, the kind of associated interest. Yeah. And one more question. When you say pantry, um, so are you talking specifically about the word pantry or are you using that to represent home? Pantry representing home, but specifically goods that you can find in your pantry. So a lot of this is like dry goods or staples or things that you have on hand, right? Rather versus like someone might be cooking at home, but they went out to the grocery store and they got, you know, fennel pollen and truffle oil and whatever, right? To create a meal. And that's a little bit less oriented around kind of the the day-to-day stuff that you pull out of your pantry, which is what I wanted to focus on here because that's similar to takeout, right? You order takeout because you want something you know, in the door to eat. Um, less yeah. about the experience of actually like cooking, let's say. I wonder, so when you talk about convenience in the context of, uh, of takeout, so you're talking about, uh, so it can be, for example, um, the presentation, the packaging of, uh, of the food. Like an example is just uh, today, you were just out making fun of me earlier for it. We all got uh, ramen for lunch uh, here ramen. in the Israeli office. Yeah, and, uh, and it comes... Um, and this is something that usually is very not convenient to get on takeout um, or get, right. uh, in this case, on, uh, on delivery. Um, but this specific restaurant, they figure it out a way to have it sealed uh, very tightly and then it double wraps in a, in a bag. And, it, uh, and you can also like microwave the, uh, the container that it comes in and all of that. Um, and yeah, and that is convenience, right? It's both easy and convenient, I would say. Um, so. Right. Kind of recapping, uh, recapping this category. So we're looking at convenience pantry versus uh, versus takeout. Um, and so you said that uh, by the association of convenience with pantry, that's on the rise. Yeah, or that's bigger. No. Or did so I? So they're both on. The- <laughs> this is the most complicated head to head match ever. Um, so pantry is more associated with convenience than takeout, but mm-hmm. takeout is growing faster. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're comparing the association versus the trending growth in that association. 
What do you see as the application of this in the worlds of um, new product development and, and marketing for food, uh, food and beverage items? Yeah, so we'll start with marketing. Um, so marketing, if you're creating, you know, a content campaign around a recipe um, or you're partnering, let's say, with another brand or you're partnering with an influencer in whatever audience space that you're interested in, understanding the association. Um, let's say that you're specifically wanting to target at-home cooking, right? Um, you know that people are, you know, six times more interested in convenience and pantry than other contexts. You might really want to kind of rely, use that as your, your center point for your campaign. Um, whereas if you're creating a marketing campaign, let's say for a restaurant um, or food service, right? Or you're, uh, let's say that you're a restaurant and you've just unveiled a new delivery integration, right? You just started working, I don't know, with Grubhub or something like that, right? You might want to rely on the fact that, okay, that's actually a really great move because we see that people are 53% more year over year interested in takeout for convenience, right? So I really might want to emphasize that in my marketing or even explore, you know, further integrations with uh, delivery platforms that make convenience a priority. Got it. Um, I want to quickly, before we move to the next one, um, so another example of easy that I just uh, saw a few examples of on the platform. Um, so you were asking about takeout and easy. Um, an interesting one is restaurants that offer um, takeout for my dietary needs. Consumers view that as as a form of ease, right? So let's say that I, um, let's say I have a nut allergy, right? And the takeout people made it really easy, like the, the restaurant made it really easy for me to get takeout without the nuts. And I didn't have to like, you know, go through their system and whatever, or whatever, right? Or I was able to just go and, and remove it or something like that. Like being able to fit that takeout experience into my personalized demand is also a form of ease just, um, in addition to what we talked about before. So when we get to the third matchup, are we then going to take the winners and put them up against each other? How is this going to work? <laughs> Or did we yep. not think that all the way through? <laughs> That's a great question, Ron. Really love that you're asking me it now. Um, <laughs> I don't know is the answer. Um, I think we'll see. Let's just let's roll with it. Let's see where it takes us. Yeah, um, it's like I know about I know about food intelligence. I can tell you about the <laughs> the trends and motivations and consumers, and I can tell you how to develop and market new uh, food items. I do not know how tournaments work. <laughs> I barely understand what the NBA draft is, so <laughs> I will not be able to participate. Coming to think of it, this is not really a great competition because it's a little bit more like yes and than it is, um, you know, like I'm making a movement with my hand for those of you who are listening, like cut and dry, but we'll see what we can do with it. All right, next category, gourmet. So gourmet um, we're seeing this rise among different audiences in, in different geographic locations. So gourmet in and of itself nationally amongst all audiences is actually declining a little bit. But when we look at different types of either generational audiences or affinity audiences, right? So that could be foodies or chefs or nutritionists um, or, you know, millennials, Gen Z, whatever, um, or looking at different locations. So let's say, you know, LA, San Francisco, New York, um, Albuquerque, whatever, uh, we can see that gourmet is performing differently in those different spaces. So it's definitely something to look at. Um, and specifically, it's interesting in both home cooking and takeout context, which is why I selected it. Um, so gourmet, obviously associated with food service in a lot of ways, right? There are lots of restaurants that make their, their kind of bread and butter on um, not actual bread and butter, but maybe actual bread and butter um, around the concept of being gourmet, right? And providing that experience. Um, but it's also something that we see during the course of the pandemic that people, you know, faced with the um, inability to go out and have that experience outside of the home, creating a gourmet experience inside the home. 
Um, so this is something that's really interesting. And, and just to sign up, that's why I selected pantry versus takeout, because as we get further into this pandemic and people are adjusting to kind of the new normal with COVID, um, we're seeing people relate to pantry and takeout in a very experiential way, right? What used to be kind of, okay, I guess I'll make dinner at home. Um, just because I, you know, I have something in my pantry or, you know, okay, I guess we'll go out or we'll go out for a birthday or whatever, whatever the kind of typical use cases were for both of those. We're seeing those shift a little bit, right? People are, are spending more time and effort in the kitchen to either have a really amazing experience or they're spending the time and effort to not have to spend the time and effort later, right? Because they're, they're working from home and they have a lot going on or whatever. So that's why these two, um, I picked. All right. So gourmet, we said it's it's rising among different audiences, different localities. Um, so if we look at pantry versus takeout, so takeout is uh, growing 16% year over year um, and is about 1.6 times the benchmark. Um, so again, gourmet is associated with takeout, 1.6 times uh, more than just regular food and beverage. However, um, adding a little bit of drama here to this one. So pantry um, is growing 45% year over year. So about three times more than takeout and it's two times the benchmark. So it's higher than takeout as well. So in this one, we have a clear winner when it comes to gourmet, people are cooking at home. They are in the pantry space. They are more interested in it. Um, and they, it is more highly associated right now, which is a change. Right. Um, so I think that's really interesting. If you're a new product development, um, new product developer or, you know, a marketer, even a salesperson, um, let's say. Uh, that's a really, I think, great thing to recognize that people are looking for gourmet experiences in the home kitchen. So do you think this is one of those lingering effects of COVID? Or do you think, uh, because we we sort of, we've seen this throughout the pandemic where people wanted to recreate experiences at home. You talked a little bit about this yeah. um, uh, as you were going through it. But, um, uh, but I think that we saw uh, that this trend was sort of uh, waning as we started to come out of it or started to learn to, you know, live with COVID or whatever's going on in your like region of the world. But, um, um, but essentially now this is in uh, like gourmet at home cooking uh, is one of those trends that sort of became mainstream and is here to stay. Is, is that how you see it? Yeah. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact of how um, digitalized the food and beverage experience has become the amount of resources that are available to people who are looking for gourmet experiences. It is no longer this, you know, huge lift to create a gourmet experience at home. Right. And we're putting price aside for the moment. We could, we could talk about, you know, accessibility and economic accessibility in that way for gourmet. That's like a whole, you know, podcast episode in and of itself. So we won't touch that today. Um, but creating gourmet experiences for yourself has become, um, more attainable for a lot of folks, both in terms of just, uh, like, you know, the recipes that are available to you. Um, and we could pull some statistics on that as well if people are interested, but also the skill sets, right? So people spent, we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of time developing skill sets to create more gourmet stuff. I, the thing that comes to mind, first of all, is, you know, the flower focaccia trend. Remember that back in, yeah. let's say, May of 2020? Um, and people were learning who had never, you know, let's say, touched, you know, making bread before. Um, we're suddenly making these like beautiful, really time intensive, skill intensive, uh, you know, projects that were in them. They were building communities around this, right? They were connecting with people online. They were sharing sourdough starters for other types of bread, right? Um, and so we're seeing that those skill sets are actually transferring and transforming um, into this next moment of the pandemic. So those skill sets didn't go anywhere, right? Um, people might not be making flour focaccia in the ways that they were before, but this is a great example of how 
um, the why has not particularly changed, right? People still want to have a great eating and drinking experience when their options are limited. Um, and so they are pursuing gourmet in the home cooking context now um, at a higher rate than they are for takeout. That's amazing to, to think about. I, I really hadn't ta- um, thought about it this way where, you know, we we cooked so much during the lockdowns, like we did more cooking than we've ever done. And we've just gotten better at it. So now when we're good at something, we just want to do more of it. And our needs have changed right. to accommodate accommodate that change. Now that we say it, it sounds obvious, but I, I really hadn't thought about it this way. This was our uh, final uh, matchup, right? Or do we no, have No, no, no. We have two more. We'll do them quickly. Oh, right. um, but we have two more. <laughs> I want to note, though, for Gourmet that... Um, just to kind of put a, an actionable example to it for, for people who, you know, let's say you're like, oh, you know, I really want a date night tonight. I want something really gourmet and lovely. You know, back in the day, you might've said, okay, we'll order from our local fancy restaurant, right? If you were yeah. going to do something at home. Um, but now, now that you have, you know, the skills to make, let's say that fancy pasta dish that you always used to get at that local restaurant, right? Um, and now that you have the skills to do it, it feels like a lot less of a kind of energy expenditure to do that. So um, I think that that's, that's really cool to track that, that consumers are actually becoming more skilled uh, kitchen companions. Yeah. I mean, we keep, we keep talking about how we as consumers are, are changing and have changed over the last few years, both in terms of we've become more digital, we have more access to information, we demand more for, from each purchase. Uh, we've also become more skilled, it looks like, in, in the kitchen. Um, right. And again, it's those things that, you know, this disruption sounds uh, obvious, but it's the sort of things that uh, that you just have to pay attention to in the way that you you market to to your consumers. Um, yeah. So even you know a date night at home uh, marketing campaign can be incredibly powerful to those consumers that uh, that are now able to to create those experiences. For sure. And I want to call out also the role of understanding these per audience as well. Um, the kind of the third pillar of understanding a trend or a fad, which we're not covering today, would be the actual share, right? So understanding if these trends are actually, you know, a majority of people in the market. Is it, you know, specific to a certain audience? Is it a pretty small share of the population, but growing quickly? Um, so we could do that maybe in a future episode, but I, I want to make it clear that I'm not claiming that, you know, the majority of, and this is American data, I'm not claiming the majority of American home chefs are interested in gourmet, right? We're not, we're not there. Um, I am saying that there is this high association between the consumers that are interested in gourmet and it's growing quickly. So um, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, suddenly we have this huge generation of, uh, you know, super fancy home chefs who are only interested in cooking at home. No, the food and beverage market is a lot more dynamic than that. And there's a lot of accessibility issues in there that we should talk about. But uh, anyway, all right, let's do our last two. And then I think we can do a head to head just looking at my notes. I think we can. So um, our next one is healthy, um, which is one of those evergreen motivations. Um, you know, people are, are interested in obviously healthy food and beverage. Um, functional food is becoming, and this is a trend we saw, I think back in 2019, start to kind of get its wings. Um, and we see, wow, what's the, the number, Ron? Is it 30 30% more consumers are interested in functional food this year versus last. I think that that's right. I'll have to check. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so functional food and kind of these personalized, sophisticated demands for food and beverage um, are becoming much more popular. Um, so if we look at uh, pantry applications of health broadly, right? So health, when I say health, I don't mean that people are saying, hey, look at this healthy burger, right? Um, they could be saying that, but they're also saying things like, you know, wow, this adaptogenic coffee really 
helps with my anxiety, right? That's a form of functional health. Um, or, you know, wow, uh, this gluten-free muffin is really helping my digestive issues, right? Uh, trademark tricky tummy. Um, so those are, uh, those are great examples, I think, of, of health. So this is the overall umbrella term. Um, so within pantry, pantry is 2.4 times, or health is associated with pantry 2.4 times more than the benchmark. So people are 2.4 times more likely to turn to their pantries and, you know, or home cooking, I guess, than other types of, of eating. Um, whereas takeout is only two times the benchmark. So uh, pantry is considered more healthy than takeout. Not necessarily surprising, right? We, there are some forms of takeout that people associate with being kind of um, like unhealthy, right? There's that oh, we'll just order takeout and it's kind of this like, you know, greasy spoon type of feel uh, for some. Um, but this is interesting. Interest in healthy for pantries is actually down 13% year over year, but takeout is up 27% year over year. So interest in healthy takeout is actually growing significantly, um, even though pantry is more associated with health. And finally, we're looking at nostalgia. So nostalgia is one of those really, really interesting ones. Um, <laughs> Fun fact for those of you out there, I actually had a dream about this motivation last night, um, and I dreamed that I was writing a report about classic 90s TV shows and how they were influencing food and beverage in 2021. Fascinating concept. We should explore it. Um, but <laughs> Miriam, you might be working too hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, maybe. I don't know. But I was thinking of, uh, for those who watch Friends, um, I think Rachel if I remember the episode, the truffle, the like meat truffle, um, and thinking about if that was, uh, you know, something we could bring back. But anyway, so nostalgia and this concept of kind of recalling recipes from your youth or um, being inspired by things from when you were younger or from happier times or whatever it is, right? Um, we're seeing that there is definitely an increase in that in kind of our pop culture era generally, but also in food and beverage. Uh, these things, as we know, are not siloed. Everything is influenced by everything else. Um, and pantry is 3.7 times more associated or nostalgia is 3.7 times more associated with pantry, um, and is growing a hundred percent year over year. So that's huge growth. Whereas takeout is only 1.8 times the benchmark and only growing 30% year over year. So in the nostalgia category, pantry clear winner, uh, nostalgia is growing 15% over the past two years. So if you're looking to tap into that trend, pantry is the place to go. But I would say that does mean that there's a little bit of room for innovation in the food service space, right? You could create a really interesting, let's say, special menu offering around nostalgic food and beverage. Um, just an anecdotal example, there was a, a bar in my uh, city that opened and it was a 90s themed bar and they had a bunch of cocktails that were themed it was there was like a gushers cocktail and right all this kind of classic 90s stuff and it was a huge 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 hit right so this is not to say you know ignore food service entirely this is just to say pantry is growing and more associated with nostalgia by consumers right now but uh, there definitely is room in food service for innovation which makes sense because i think that um if you look at something that is nostalgic to you then it's either like a specific brand, like something that, you know, your parents okay. used to buy for you. It can be, of course, like we used to get, you know, McDonald's with my dad or something like that. It could be that. But uh, most likely it's something that um, your parents used to make at home or it's something that uh, that you used to, like a, some specific product in retail that uh, that you bought at home. For me, for example, it would be, I don't know the name for this, but um, it's just, you know, those cans that have, uh, wow, I'm trying to like describe, it's like big um, uh, cans that have like uh, dried fruit in them. 
um, not even dried fruit. I don't know if it's uh, it's the right word. Um, I'm going to look it up and I'll send it to you. Wait, no, more, <laughs> more details? More details. Um, Was there more Hebrew, things than uh, dried fruit? It's not, no, dried fruit is, is wrong. It wasn't dried because it was, um, in Hebrew, it's called compote. Um, oh, compote. It's the same in English. Is it? Yeah. Does it go on like, you can go on like a dessert or on yogurt or something like that? We used to eat it out of the can. <laughs> like oh, my yeah. dad, my dad would, uh, my dad loved oh. it. And it was, so whenever, like, for example, I saw one of these at um, at the supermarket just uh, the other day. And, you know, this is the type of thing that immediately like sends me back, uh, you know, to when I was like, I don't know, six, right? And we yeah. used to eat this stuff at home. Um, but I think that usually that's the that's the sort of experience that uh, that okay. you have with things that are nostalgic for you. So it makes much more sense. And obviously this is something that lived in our pantry, right? So, right. Um, so it makes much more sense to me that in the context of nostalgia, pantry would uh, would be the clear winner. Right. And that people are actually taking those nostalgic ideas and putting a twist on them for today, which I think is really cool. That's where the innovation comes in here, right? I, I think the takeaway is less, oh, bring back canned peaches or compote or whatever, right? The, the takeaway here is how can you bring that into this moment of innovation um, in this particular moment for home chefs in the kitchen? It's so weird that it's the same word. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Fruit oh, compote. Yeah. yeah, like the pictures. It's, it's exactly that. Is it the that. little cups? Do they come in little cups also? So it came in... Um, it came in uh, like a, a can, like a one of those tin cans um, that uh, you would open. And but then when you put it in the cup, it kind of looked just like uh, the pictures I'm seeing here. And it's interesting because I'm seeing a lot of recipes um, mm. from uh, Minimalist Baker and uh, uh, Cookie and Kate, and a lot of uh, a lot of websites that I'm familiar with by working Great. at TasteWise. Um, which is really interesting because now I'm really interested in going and trying to make like one of these and trying to, to recreate that. Uh, because honestly, the one in the tin can. We are influencing ourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for That's sure. Cool. <laughs> All right. In the few minutes we have left, I do want to do the final head to head. Um, okay. So if we look at these categories, easy, convenient, and healthy, um, we're kind of a, a split tie, meaning that um, actually, in all three of these, takeout had the higher year-over-year growth, but pantry had the higher association with those. Um, but if we look at gourmet and nostalgia, both both of those are um, pantry takes the cake. So pantry wins with the highest um, year-over-year growth and the highest benchmark uh, range. So just to review, um, so pantry was two times the benchmark with gourmet and 45% year-over-year growth. And nostalgia pantry was 3.7 times the benchmark and 100% year-over-year growth. So let's compare the benchmarks and uh, the benchmark change and the year-over-year growth. So we can see that looks like nostalgia wins 3.7 versus 2 and 100 versus 45. So if we're looking at of these five grand winner between pantry and takeout for each of these categories. So pantry for nostalgia um, is the one that wins. <laughs> The, the one thing I'll say about health, uh, which was an interesting one to me because I think it really il illustrates something really important about us as consumers right now, is that it's just like you said, you can no longer just say health, 
right? Yeah. It's not because if you only look at a graph that shows you um, mentions of the word health or interest in health, that could be incredibly misleading because it's not that people are less interested in health. It's just that right. they have become more sophisticated and more specific, right? So it's gut health, it's uh, stress reduction, uh, it's immunity, it's anxiety, it's all these different things. Um, which I think is incredibly important. Um, this was really interesting uh, to, to take this head to head. It would be interesting if we did the same thing with um, uh, the the dishes themselves. Yeah, for uh, sure. Maybe we can do that next time. Kind of the trends themselves. Uh, so yeah, so maybe we can look at that next time. I do want to mention that if you want us to cover anything on one of these episodes, feel free to send us a note at live at tastewise.io. And if there's any one of these, whether it's a motivation like nostalgia or uh, something more specific like uh, uh, cake or dinosaur-shaped uh, schnitzels, uh, you can go to tastewise.io and click the Get Started button uh, to try our, um, our free edition, which is essentially an aggregate report that you can get based on real-time data on anything that, uh, that you'd like. There is a big release coming up for our free edition, where in addition to the Spotlight report that uh, maybe you're familiar with, you will also get access to um, a, a trends dashboard. So essentially, without asking a question, you'll get an overview of what's trending in food and beverage and some of the interesting things that uh, are really emerging out there right now. So I really um, urge you to go ahead and uh, check that out. Make sure you don't miss out on it. And with that, uh, I think that's it for today. Or do we have anything else, Miriam? You promised to let us know what you ended up doing with the dinosaur uh, so chicken breasts. What I did is I took, I went to, so my my girls were like adamant about this. They This is like what okay. they wanted. Um, and I ended up going to, the. it's the Israeli equivalent of like a dollar store. Um, and I got one of those things that, uh, like these, uh, pancake things that are yeah, shaped yeah. like, like the one shape. thing. Exactly. Yeah. So I got one of those <laughs> and uh, I tried to use those, um, like, cause we made like the schnitzels at home. I tried to use those. It sort of worked. They were like, it was good enough for them. On the cooked meat, right? Not the raw meat, the cooked meat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like used a knife to like cut around it or like (laughs) sort of like, it was not like my best moment. Um, and, uh, but yeah, they were happy. But after that I did buy as a backup, uh, one of those like frozen, you know, like versions of it where it's just like comes in the shapes (laughs) of animals. Um, yeah. So yeah, even though I don't, I don't really like, uh, buying them those, uh, like, like the frozen foods. Um, but sometimes you just need like a dinosaur shaped, uh, sometimes you do. that's the lesson yeah. here. Sometimes you do. That's the true lesson from this episode. If you learned anything, <laughs> I'm nostalgic <laughs> for dinosaurs. I had a big dinosaur forward childhood, so I am on board with that. Dinosaur forward childhood. I just had a conversation about someone how, di- about how dinosaurs are like the first indicator for, uh, like a nerdy kid so like show me a 10 year old like show me a 10 year old who likes dinosaur and i'll show you a 20 year old who's into star trek right all right Um, so uh both of us is the answer here yeah yeah both of us liked dinosaurs um the food intelligence podcast is edited by daniel gal and produced by ophir nagal thank you so much for the wonderful team that makes this happen week uh, after week and uh, we hope this has been useful for you and we'll see you on the next one thank you miriam Thank you. Bye, everybody.